0: Good morning, Riverbend Church. Good to see you. Jesus loves you. I love you. Do you love one another? Turn to someone and tell them, say, I love you. you. Those of you who are joining us online, we welcome you today. What a joy and a privilege to have you with us. And uh, we always want to be mindful of that. And by the way, there's a, a way that you can interact using the chat feature. And we have those that are monitoring that and communicating with you. What I love to do is just to see where you come from and see where you're watching from, uh, not only this area but all around the world. So please just uh, just let us know where you're at and what country, what city you're at, and it just encourages us so much. Well, y'all looking like you're in the Christmas spirit today, all ready for what God is doing. And Isn't that a wonderful choice of a memory verse for December, huh? Yeah. I had mercy. Everybody begged me for mercy, they said. <laughs> Oh, man, that said November was tough. Yeah. So you've got five Sundays in December. No excuses, all right? No excuses. I was just thinking uh, the other day, I thought, what would you do if I said, okay, everybody ready? We're going we're gonna to say the memory verse we had last March. Oh, I don't know. I, 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 that, it didn't go over well when I shared that with someone, and so I thought, better, better not try that, all right? Anyway, we love the Word of God, don't we? Amen? And so uh, because of that we make a a plan and a practice for committing the Word of God to memory as this year we've been focusing on what? Going deeper. deeper. Yeah. Yeah, deeper in intimacy with the Lord, deeper in the Word of God, deeper in prayer, and deeper in community. And I think we've been pressing into that all year. Well, listen, I want to have a a word of prayer with you before we get into the the message for this morning that I'm excited and I pray that it feeds your soul today. And uh, so I want to pray just for general needs. Those of you who are watching online... Those of you who are here in the room, uh, you may have a need for a breakthrough, need for a miracle. I think God's already moved through worship, and a number of things have taken place, transacted, I sensed, in the room. But just want to make sure that you know that you've been prayed for here. And we always have prayer teams at the close of every service. They're always available here at the front, and you're able to come and share something personal. They'll pray with you just between you and them. But uh, if you're here this morning and you have a need for a breakthrough, for a miracle, whether it be physical healing or maybe it's a financial miracle, maybe it's the need for guidance or something in your life, I'm going to ask that you would just declare so. it kind of your step of faith of saying, I, Pastor, pray for me in this prayer, include me. Would you just stand to your feet if you're here and you're saying, I specifically have something that I want prayer for this morning. I'll give you just a moment, stand, and then we're going to have a word of prayer for you and with you All right, so if someone is standing close to you and you're seated, that means now you're part of the prayer team. All right, so if you're seated, you're part of the prayer team and uh, you can just stretch out your hand to them or you can put your arm around them or take them by the hand and agree in prayer. Can you do that right now for those that may be around you that are standing? So let's reach out our faith right now. Father God, we're thankful that we are told in the Scriptures that we can come boldly and confidently before the throne of grace to find help in time of need. Lord, you tell us in the Psalms that you are a present help in time of need. You're not absentee, you are present. And you are present to help and to assist and come alongside of us regardless of what our needs are. We know, Lord, that there's nothing too small. There's nothing too big. We take authority in Jesus' name over sickness and disease and suffering. We take authority over cancerous growth. We take authority over heart conditions in Jesus' name. We release the powerful healing virtue of Jesus going through these bodies even right now. Lord, we pray for broken relationships. Father, we pray for broken hearts. Father, we pray today that you would give hope where there is no hope, that you would give answers where people are desperate to have an answer from you. Guidance where people are confused. Father, we lay hold of all that these people need and those that are watching through the stream. We pray for a touch right now in the mighty and powerful name of Jesus. And by faith we say thank you in advance right now. Can we say thank you to him? Amen and amen. Now, all the rest of you who are seated, you get to stand along with them because we believe in the Bible and we have made a practice this year of making a, a faith declaration of what we believe about the Bible. Amen? So ask you to join along with me, and if you have your Bibles with you, you can raise them up, and if you don't, that's okay, just raise your hand and uh, declare this with me. So you're going to repeat after me, this is the Bible, this is the Bible, God's, Bible Holy Word. God's Holy Word, it is completely true, it is completely true. From, beginning to end. from beginning to end, it renews my mind, it, my mind. it, transforms, my heart. it transforms my heart, it guides my path, it guides my And I choose choose to not only read it, to not only only hear it, it, but to put it into practice by God's grace. Father we thank you for the word of God we thank you that it is alive, it is active it is powerful and it has relevance in our lives today we pray that you'd minister to us today through this message that you put on my heart and as we celebrate Christmas this season that it would speak to us it wouldn't just be same old uh, just messages that we've kind of tucked away and forgotten about but Lord it would challenge our hearts to take a forward step towards you and make you truly the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Praise God. Well, It is December the 3rd, and we are beginning this Advent season, these four weeks as we build up to Christmas Eve, which falls on a Sunday. And by the way, someone asked me just uh, yesterday, are are we having church on Christmas Eve? Why would we not have church (laughs) on Christmas Eve? I mean, don't even say that. Don't even speak those words, all right? Yes, we will have church on Christmas Eve. I will be here. You will be here. Amen? What better time to have church, amen? So we have four Sundays that comprise the Christmas season, and so we wanted to begin a new series of messages starting today, and it will encompass all four Sundays. And rather than doing maybe just a traditional Advent series, which uh, we've done before and it's fine, but I just kind of wanted to give a little bit different twist and tweak to it. And so uh, I've entitled this message series, Considering the Characters of Christmas. Considering the Characters of Christmas takes a look at characters that maybe aren't so obvious. Uh, They may not be visible in the nativity scene. or They may not be at the top of your memory when you think about if I ask you to list the characters of the Christmas story you might even forget some of them. But not only are some of them, some of them will be very obvious and so for example when we get to Mary we're going to have a message on misunderstanding Mary. We're going to take a deep dive into Mary. Do you know people misunderstand Mary? And so we're going to take a deep dive into that as well as some other important characters regarding Christmas, these Christmas characters. So let me ask you this question uh, this morning as we start the first of the series, which is called Waiting for Christmas. Everybody say, waiting. Waiting. How many of you, when you were a child, remember the anticipation that was built up knowing that Christmas was right around the corner? Do you remember that? How many of you as parents, some of you are parents and you have had children, it's like pulling your hair like can these kids just shut up until you know we've gotten past Christmas and all they're doing is talking about can I open that gift and uh, some of our kids don't even wait until Christmas really to open their gifts so there is something about waiting for Christmas the Christmas moment that we're familiar with right so Christmas is frequently associated with waiting but I want to look at it from a biblical standpoint and I want to begin by asking Asking you the question Is there anything this Christmas season, this December 3rd, that you can think of that you're anticipating, that you're waiting for? Not just at Christmas time, but even in general. Is there something deep in your heart that you're longing for, or something that maybe you're even expecting? expecting to receive. Maybe you've been leaving notes for a loved one for the last several months of something you'd like for Christmas, and you've already built up some anticipation for receiving it. I, hope, I don't want to get in, into the middle of that, but uh, I hope that you are excited to find out that truly you receive it. Waiting, anticipation, are important qualities as we look forward to Christmas. Did you know that in the Gospel of Luke, We actually come across two characters, I know you can tell who they are because they're right there on the screen. They are Simeon and Anna. Simeon and Anna. I bet you hadn't thought about Simeon and Anna as it relates to Christmas time. But they're two characters that make an appearance in the very final act of the Christmas drama. And one of these, of course, is a man named Simeon. Everybody say Simeon. And the other is a woman named Anna. Everybody say Anna. Anna. And guess what? They're both prophets. Yeah. They're amazing people. There's a lot we can learn from them because they really embody the idea of waiting and anticipating this Christmas season. Now, by the way, when you look at a Christmas card that has a picture of the nativity scene on it, you're not going to see Sammy and Anna. They're not going to be on it. All right? When you see maybe a live Christmas nativity scene, you'll see the wise men, which by the way shouldn't be there, but anyway, we'll get to that later. Uh, You'll see the shepherds. You'll see baby Jesus. You'll see Mary and Joseph. You're not going to see Simeon and you're not going to see Anna, but they're a part of the important Christmas narrative. Uh, You see a Christmas pageant, they're not going to be there. But both of these individuals were there waiting for. for something in this last chapter of the Christmas narrative. In fact, they weren't waiting for something, they were actually waiting for someone. And the most important thing of all. Turn in your Bibles with me to the text we'll use for this morning that tells us the story in only a few verses. But it's long enough that I didn't put the entire text on the screen, but you can look at the reference here. So you may use your devices, take your tablets, look at your phones, turn to Luke chapter 2, verses 22 through 38. Chapter 2, verses 22 through 38. If you're watching this stream, you can just pull out your Bible and read along with me as we go. Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 22. All right, so we're going to skip a couple of verses here, but we'll jump down to verse 25 after the beginning verse. Everybody ready? Here I go. So in verse 22 the Scripture reads, Then it was time for their purification. Who's? Mary and Joseph. Then it was time for their purification offering, as required by the law of Moses after the birth of a child. So the parents took him to Jerusalem To what? To present him to the Lord. Pause just for a moment. I want to just give you a reference on time. This was six weeks. Jesus was six weeks old at this time. He had already made, on the eighth day after His birth, He had already gone to the temple for circumcision. This is a follow-up visit for the law of purification to be fulfilled. So we find Joseph and Mary along with a six-week-old baby. Can you picture that? Here they come to the temple to give an offering, and the next couple of verses talk about the offering that was required by the Mosaic law. And then we skip down to verse 25. And before I read this I want you to know that uh, the original text, which is fascinating to me, that most... I haven't found a translation yet. Some of you find it, you let me know. I haven't found a translation that actually includes this word in the English translation, but it is in the original text. It's very clear, it's very obvious, and it is a word that means, behold, that starts off in verse 25. It says, Behold, you said, Well, what in the world does that mean? It, it's, a, it, I, it's an attention grabbing word. It, it's a Greek word that means, Stop. There's something really important here. There should be a sense of amazement, a sense of delighted surprise or pleasure. Or in modern vernacular, it would mean, Look at this. This is going to be amazing. And that's what starts off verse 25. So I'll use the word behold, all right? Behold, at that time there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and he was devout and was eagerly waiting, how? Eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and to rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That's a pretty cool revelation, isn't it? So he, the Holy Spirit spoke to him and gave him a revelation that he was going to be alive and would be able to actually see the Messiah. That day, verse 27, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came, to present baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and began to praise God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations. And he is the glory of your people Israel. Jesus' parents marveled, or as the New Living says, his parents were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, this child is destined. How many of you know Jesus had a destiny? Amen. So do you by the way. This child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and others to rise. He has been sent As a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very soul. Then to verse 36. Anna, a prophetess, was also there in the temple. She was the daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. Her husband died when they had been married only seven years. And then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night, Worshipping God with fasting and prayer. I'd be happy just to get someone to church twice a month. She was there day and night, never left. Worshipping God with what? Fasting Fasting and prayer. And she came along just as Simeon was talking. Just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph. And she began praising God. And she talked about the child, Jesus, to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. Isn't that a great narrative? I bet it's been a while since you've thought about Simeon and Anna, right? So we're going to give them their due today. They are key characters in this Christmas story. Remember, it starts off talking about Simeon, and then we switch over to Anna. So let me just review the Scriptures as specifically as the idea of waiting is relevant to both. So we find this idea of waiting with anticipation. The word here for waiting literally means not just to wait like... I wish... I wish my wife would get ready to go. I'm waiting. Carrie sometimes gets mad when I go and get into the car and start the car. I'm sure none of y'all, mar- your marriages have this issue. <laughs> but whenever I get into the car, if I'm impatient, and I decide, I'll, sleep, I'll say, honey, I'll just wait in the car. Which means I'm tired of waiting inside. <laughs> Come on, someone say amen. To what the <laughs> so I just go ahead and get in the car, and I start the car and warm it up, and then... X number of minutes, whenever it is, she comes and joins me. I feel better. I don't know how she feels about it. But anyway, I have been what? Waiting with anticipation. Knowing that she's coming. Someday, some hour, she will be there. Ready to go. But in the meantime, I'm waiting. This word here doesn't mean just twiddling your thumbs. It means waiting with a hopeful anticipation. So here we find this same waiting idea on both accounts, both Simeon and Anna. But we're going to find that they're both different. So look at verse 25, it's on the screen. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout and he was waiting. waiting. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. We'll talk about that in a moment. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And then in verse 38 as we shift it says, coming up to them at that very moment, this is talking about who? This is talking about Anna. She gave thanks to the Lord and she spoke about the child to all who were looking forward. The word there for looking forward is also the idea of waiting. Where had Anna been for all these years? In the temple. What do you think she was there with? An attitude of what? Waiting. What had she had her focus on? The Messiah. He's going to come. I don't know when, but he's going to come. And when he comes, he's going to bring redemption and forgiveness for the people of Israel. And that is why we're talking about waiting for Christmas. So let's start with Simeon, all right? So what do we learn about Simeon right here in the Scripture? It says, behold... There was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, and it tells us right off the bat what kind of man he was. He was righteous and devout. The word righteous has to do with his relationship with others. The word there literally means right living, living right. His character in front of people, his character in front of his neighbors, his character in front of those who went to the temple was that of a godly man. They knew Simeon was not a a hypocrite. They knew that he wasn't like other... He wasn't, by the way, he had no no role, no title. He wasn't a priest. He wasn't a minister. He was simply a godly man. How many of y'all know someone like that? They just live for God. And you know by their character how they are. They are in right. Living. They live right. And you can tell they don't, they do so for a reason. There's something on the inside of them. They just live right. So the idea of Simeon being righteous had to do with his character in front of other people. And then it also adds not only was he righteous, but he was also what? Devout, the word there suggests his relationship with God, that he was in right standing with God. He had this intimate, close fear of God, honoring God, a heart after God. He was devout in his relationship with God. Charles Spurgeon, the great pastor and preacher, said he blended in his character his duty to man and his duty to God. He was just and devout this combination makes for a complete character. If you want to have complete character you need to not only have a walk with God, but you need to Show it to other people as well. It's not enough for you just to come to church on Sunday and live like the devil on Monday. You've got to show your godly character, your walk with God, so that other people know that there's integrity and that you live what you say. Righteous and devout were the words that described this man named Simeon. Righteous, devout. Now what was the context of this man who were told that he was what? Waiting for the consolation of Israel. Uh, Don't get get disturbed by that word consolation. It literally means to be consoled, the the consoling of someone who's disappointed. Uh, It actually, the, the original Greek word is the same word we get the word comforting from. So it's the word for par- that comes from the root word, paraclete, which is one of the names of the Holy Spirit, right? And so the Holy Spirit comes, He comes to comfort us. He comes to console us. So what He was waiting for is He knew that the day was coming that the Messiah, the Comforter, was going to come and He was going to comfort and console all of Israel from their disappointment and their hard times. Because you see, the context in which Simeon shows up here in Luke chapter 2, things were not good around him at all. In fact, things were quite desperate in Israel. What was happening among the Jewish people this time in Luke 2? Well, as I said, things weren't going well for Israel. They had actually lived now with a very dry spiritual period for 400 years. That may be a good little Sunday school lesson for y'all this morning. I like people to leave church saying, I learned something I didn't know before. I don't want to just preach to you. I want you to walk away with something new. Have you ever wondered what in the world happened between Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament, and Matthew, the first book in the New Testament? Have you ever said, hmm, I wonder what happened in between there? Did you know that there's 400 years between the life of Malachi and John the Baptist showing up? 400 years, it's called the Intertestamental Times. It's a historical period of 400 years, and all I can tell you about today that's important is it was spiritually dead. Nothing was happening. Have you ever been in a season in your life where it just seemed like there was no spiritual activity going on? I hope not, but maybe you have. Have you ever been in a church where it seemed like the Holy Spirit had picked up, packed up, and moved out? It was not good what was going on in Israel during this season. And what had happened is, during this season of dryness, the Jewish people had become more and more entangled and, and, and ha- with political problems. And by this time in Luke chapter 2, the Romans had now come and imposed their will upon them. And so the Jewish people were subject to their oppressors, the, the Romans, who were not kind and nice. They had exacted taxes from them. Things were not good. In the midst of all that was bad, though, there were a group of people that were called the Jewish remnant. And this was a small group of people, not many in number, but there were a small group of people who had remained faithful to God. Do you know God always has a remnant? even at the worst times in Christian history, there's always a remnant. There's always some group of people that are like, I don't care what's going on around me, I'm going to serve God. Amen? And so there was this remnant. And by the way, Simeon and Anna were both, they were both prophets. They were a part of that Jewish remnant. And also, by the way, uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth, they would have been a part of that remnant. But it was a small group of people who were primarily characterized by having an inner expectation that the messiah was going to come and come soon they had this inner knowing we know the messiah is on the way they had this deep sense and they hadn't given up most of the is, is uh, the jews had just given up they had the promises they had plenty of promises about the coming of the messiah there were hundreds of promises that specifically prophesied That there would be a Messiah and His first coming. We know that there's prophecies that have to do with the Messiah's first coming and there's prophecies that have to do with His second coming. But did you know that there's hundreds, a couple of hundred uh, prophecies specifically about His first coming? And the scripture tells us that they were holding on to these prophecies. Did you know that there's actually 27? There are 27, what we call them, Messianic. Messianic prophecies that were fulfilled in one day in the life of Jesus. One day, 27 of them. The level of specificity with people hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before Goes all the way back, by the way, the very first one in scriptures in Genesis 3.15. Hundreds of years that were looking forward by the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God allowed them to see hundreds of years down the road, and they saw that God was going to provide a Messiah that was going to come, and there would be atonement and redemption and forgiveness. And they had a longing for that day because what? Sin had dominated and bondage and problems, had dominated their lives. Now we fast forward to Luke chapter 2 and we have Simeon who was one of those who had a heart knowing that God had something for him. Amen? And so we read once again in verse 26. We begin to see that, that this context which was not good, that Simeon and Hannah as well, frankly, were people who were waiting for something. In the midst of the problems, in the midst of the Roman persecution, they had a spirit of hope. They had an anticipation that caused them to wait. Kind of like just waiting on their tiptoes. It just causes me to wonder, I wonder how many people today have the same level of anticipation Absolutely. for something God's going to do. Much less the return of Jesus Christ. Someone recently asked me to say, "You know, with all that's going on in the Middle East right now, Pastor, do you think that says anything about the second return of Christ at all?" I said, "Yeah, I tell you exactly what it says. You know what it says to me? What they say, oh, like, like I'm going to give something, you know, really, you know, a heavy, heavy revelation." I said, "He is closer to coming back today than he was yesterday." Amen. Thank you. Thank you. I can tell you that for certain. He is coming back, and it's closer than it was yesterday. Amen? Amen. Simeon had this deep anticipation, and there was a good reason for his hope in the midst of darkness. Why? He had a revelation from the Holy Spirit. It's fascinating to me that this guy had some encounters with the Holy Spirit. Did you know there's three separate verses? Verse 26 and verse 27... Verse, uh, let me just give you these three consecutive verses in verse 28, 26 to 7 and 28, each talk about the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of Simeon. This is under the old covenant. This is before Pentecost and the Holy Spirit being poured out in Acts 2. Notice in verse 46 it says, season, it says that Simeon it, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. By who? The Holy Spirit had revealed to Simeon that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. He had a revelation. God had spoken to him. I'm sure he had said to the Lord many times, Lord, I can't die and not see the Messiah. I must see the Messiah. I've got this inner waiting and this anticipation. And I'm sure at some point, someday, the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, Simeon, just know this. You're not going to die before you see the Messiah. You'll see the Messiah. Don't you know that must have encouraged Simeon? So the Holy Spirit is speaking to him. He had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. He talked to God through the Holy Spirit. And here it says in verse twenty-six that he had a revelation that he was going to see that he was going to see the Messiah. This is the fulfillment of it. Secondly, then we also read it says it says that the Holy Spirit he was upon him. The Holy Spirit was upon him. And, and then we see here in the, uh, verse 27, it says, And the Holy Spirit prompted Simeon to go to the temple courts the same moment, the same day that Joseph and Mary were going to go. Three consecutive verses that remind us that the Holy Spirit was active in that situation. Holy Spirit was active. Speaking, Prompting, revealing to Simeon. Listen, he was a prophet. He was also a man who knew how to listen to the voice of God. In fact, did you know that the name Simeon simply means listening? That's what the name Simeon means. He was a listener. I wish that we had more people who would listen to the Holy Spirit today. Because if we'll listen, he'll tell us stuff. He'll make revelation to you. He'll not only tell you about things you can anticipate in your own personal life, He'll tell you things about other people through words of knowledge and words of wisdom and and prophetic words and gifts of discernment. The Holy Spirit's active today. Can I hear an amen? He's active today. And He wants us to be listeners. So here we see Simeon. And he is waiting with expectation for what? For the coming of Christ. Because he knew that when the Messiah came, it would mark that he was coming to relieve uh, the pain, the misery of the Israelites. And he would bring consolation. What did I say that was? Consolation is encouragement in the midst of disappointment. I know people today who need consolation. I know people today who are struggling and they need to have the hope that only Jesus can give. The need to be comforted is a universal human need. So true. And here God told him, you just hold on Simeon, you're going to see the Messiah before you go. Uh, quickly, let me just tell you a quick story. I'm looking around to see if I see who, who's in the room here. She must be serving. But uh, many of you may know this, or most of you probably don't, but we had some special members in our church Uh, Mike and Sandy Buslego. Now Sandy's probably serving in the children's ministry this morning. I don't see Sandy in the room, do I, right now? Okay. Mike, you would know Mike because he was 101 years old. Mike had become almost totally blind. But he never missed a service that he could get to. And he just passed away, what helped me out, Heather, what? Three weeks ago, maybe? Yeah. So uh, uh, a year ago, so he was 101, so about a year plus, maybe a year and a half ago, he had told me, he said, Pastor, he said, I'm believing God to get me to 100. I'm thinking, right, okay, Mike, whatever you say, you know, and he said, I'm going to be 100. I am said, yes, you will. And uh, I said, thank God you're married to a younger woman, Mike, That's <laughs> all I can say. So he was determined to live till he was 100. And he made it. We threw a big birthday party for him. And it was wonderful. Now, I heard rumors that he had changed his goal to 105, but I don't think God was in that. I think he had just, you know, was just thinking, I need another goal. We may as well set up 105. <laughs> Unfortunately, or fortunately, however you want to look at it, he was having a test, uh, a CT scan, and un- just really didn't know exactly what was wrong. And the doctor says, did y'all know that he has brain cancer? And we're not too sure how long he's going to live. And had predicted suffering to be extensive with it. They brought him home literally two days later, brought him home. He was in hospice. He was at the house and um, a couple of us went over there to pray for Sandy and pray for Mike. And uh, I just felt while I was there the Lord said he's, he has finished his race. How many of you think at 101 that you might might have finished your race? And I could tell there was no reason for Mike to continue to live. And we stood there that night with Sandy's full agreement. We said, Jesus, take him right now. Now that, that every time you pray for someone, please don't pray that, all right? But, (laughs) But at 101, and now all of a sudden having to deal with a condition that was going to not be good, right? She said, please, he's ready to go. We prayed and within three days the angels had ushered him into heaven. I hope the word doesn't get out that I've got an anointing to pray for people. To... But anyway, the Lord heard our prayer. And I thought to myself, that's just like Simeon. He, the, he knew he was going to live to 100 he felt like he had a promise from God. He's going to live to 100. And he fulfilled it. Simeon knew that God revealed something to him was coming and he was waiting for it. Isn't that amazing? The Holy Spirit prompted him to go to the temple courts when God's timing is just remarkable. God's never late. He frequently is not early. Did y'all notice it? Anybody knows it? He's rarely early. But he's never late. He's never late. And just at the moment that Simeon happened to be prompted by the Holy Spirit, it's time to go to church. Simeon goes to church. And guess what? Here's Joseph and Mary carrying Jesus at six weeks old. And wouldn't you know it? It's exactly the right timing. Listen, when you're led by the Holy Spirit, you can know you're going to have encounters with people. You're going to be used by God. You need to be prompted by the Holy Spirit. Live in God's timing. When He shows up in the temple courts, just the right moment. When He saw Mary and Joseph, and with that baby, what did He do? He grabbed the baby. Talk about bold. I mean... He just, he had no problem at all. Give me that baby. (laughs) Grabbed that baby, took that baby, and just started prophesying over that baby. He knew, isn't it amazing that he had such a knowing? I mean, there there could have been, who knows how many other babies coming through the temple that week. But there's only one Messiah. Only one. And he just knew it. Why? He was so in tune with the Spirit of God that the moment that he saw that baby went, that's it right there. Sovereign Lord. Now he's talking to the Lord. Lord, now I can die in peace. I have seen. Remember what he said the Lord promised him? You'll see the Messiah. He said, I've seen your salvation which you prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations. He is the glory of your people in Israel. So he's praying but he's really prophesying here too. And sure enough Joseph and Mary were totally amazed. I thought about that. Why were they so amazed? The angel had told them a bunch of things. They knew some things. But isn't it interesting how sometimes until you actually are right there in the moment things that God's even promised me, things you've been waiting for, things you've been praying for, until you actually see it manifested, then all of a sudden it's like, look look what the Lord has done. Look, there it is, right there. He couldn't help himself. He went off. Took that baby out of Mary's arms. I know some mamas today that (laughs) might be resistant. Not you, Rachel. Everyone grabs Addie and Rachel's like, chill. She's chill about it. But what a wonderful thing because they knew God was up to something. Amen? All right, I spent too much time on Simeon. He broke out into praise. Let's look at Anna quickly and I'm going to leave you with some action steps. Is everybody okay? All right, so let's look at Anna. Both of these were prophets, all right? Both of them, Spirit of God coming upon them. Spirit of God prompting them, the work of the Spirit. Here we have Anna, whereas Simeon was waiting for the comfort of God through the Messiah, she's waiting for the forgiveness aspect, which is very interesting. So this other Christmas character who was waiting with anticipation was Anna. So the Scripture tells us that she and her husband had been married for seven years, only seven years. He died, she became a widow, And then she lived in the temple. We don't have all the details of the story. All we know is that she lived in the temple from that moment on. She just lived in the temple. She said, my husband's gone, I'm a widow, I'm just going to serve. God, I'm going to give the rest of my life just to intercession. And just to worship. Just to prayer. And anybody who'll let me talk to him, I'll talk to him." She was a woman of prayer and fasting. My, my, my. Pastor Josh recently talked about singleness. That's an example here of a single woman, a widow, only, had, only enjoyed seven years of marriage, but she didn't give up on life's purpose. She served him in the temple. She was looking forward to the same person that Simeon was, Nehemiah, but a little bit different orientation. Instead of looking for comfort, she was looking for forgiveness. Take a look at verse 38 and it says coming up to them at that very moment because notice, remember what had happened, Joseph and Mary were here, Simeon's over here having a Holy Ghost fit with them, right? And, and she's in the temple because why? She lives there. Mm-hmm. She's already there. And she comes up to them at the very same moment that Simeon was there and that, do you see how God intersects us with His purposes and His timing? Amazing. So she comes up at that very moment, and it says, and she gave thanks to God, and she began to tell everybody that she could all about about the the Messiah is here. This is amazing. The moment that she saw Jesus, she began to just thank God. What was she doing? She was a prophetess. She knew who this was. It could have been anybody. Anybody? likely she didn't know Joseph, Mary, on a personal basis, but there was something on the inside of that woman. She was a woman of prayer and fasting. She was a woman of the Holy Spirit. And the moment she saw that child, she was like, the Holy Spirit just, boom, that's him. She had been waiting for 84 years. And the moment she saw him, she knew that's the Messiah. There he is. That's the one I've been waiting for. Here at last was the one who could save people from their sins. And she rejoiced. All right, I'm going to close with some action steps. I'm already four minutes over. Y'all are all right. I'm going to give you three action steps, and we'll be good to go. Three steps that are applicable to both of these stories that you can take home and do something with I don't want you to leave here today just knowing the names of Simeon and Anna. I want you to walk out of here today saying, I've got something I can put into practice in my life. So I picked up, gleaned three action steps from these two examples. Number one, be amazed. (laughs) Be amazed. When was the last time you really marveled at something? When most Joseph and Mary were trying to process everything was happening, in verse 33 it says that they marveled at what was being said by Simeon about Jesus. The word there means to be filled with wonder, astonishment, surprise. Are you, are you marveling at the wonders of God? I don't have time to tell you the story. My time's gone today. But there was a time in my life in 1998 that I had a major burnout. Major. Uh, And I had to leave the ministry for three months for Recovery on a sabbatical and get my act together and make some changes. I was addicted to busyness Now I know no one in this room has addictions, but I was addicted to busyness Never drank never did drugs, but addicted to busyness so during that time I was read, did a lot of reading on overload, being overloaded and not having margins. And I read an interesting comment by one of the authors and they said one of the ways that you can tell that you're in overload is when you stop marveling. And I asked when was the last time that you just stopped and marveled at a sunrise? When was the last time you saw a deer crossing the road and you just marveled? When you
1: lose,
0: when you don't have time to reflect, you will lose the art of amazement. Thank God I recovered it. And I ask you for this Christmas season, are you amazed? I hope that you are. Don't let Christmas become too predictable. Don't let it become too familiar. Reread the Christmas story, reflect and meditate on it and start marveling. Number two, be proactive. All through this story what you see are two people who are activated by the Holy Spirit. They're not sitting back remaining in their comfort zone. They're not remaining at home saying, well, I don't think I, I don't really feel like going to the temple today. But the Holy Spirit had prompted him to go. And was living there. They were proactive about what the Spirit was telling them to do. They were movers. They were people who moved and acted. God wants you and me to be movers. When the Holy Spirit says, move, move. He wants you to be listeners, but to be proactive when God is prompting you to do something, you need to do it. For some people, it might mean the difference in their salvation. For some people, it might make a difference in, in, in some situation in their life. Learn to listen and obey the Holy Spirit and be proactive. Number three, be a messenger. Who was a messenger in this story? Hannah. Hannah. What it really says here is that after she just recognized who the Messiah was and she was so excited because she had been waiting for the one who was going to bring forgiveness available and rescue Israel from all of their sin, the scripture says she went and told everybody that she could. She had to share what she just saw. She had to tell someone the Messiah is here. He's here. He's here. When did you see him? Well, he was six weeks old. (laughs) Anna, you been drinking the communion wine? (laughs) Seriously? I saw him! I know! He is here. And she was looking forward to giving thanks not only to God, but speaking about this child to all who wanted redemption, who needed forgiveness. I pray that you and I will be messengers. We'll let God use us to share the importance of the Christmas story. Would you stand to your feet? Prayer teams that can come and be available here for people who have special needs, who want prayer, want agreement. Make sure that a couple of y'all who are normal prayer workers, if there's someone lady, y'all just come and take their place because there are people here today that have needs. I want to just pray with you right now and then Denise is going to come and she's going to say a blessing over you and you can leave today knowing that you're blessed walking in and blessed going out. Lord Jesus um, help us to be people of anticipation we're Encouraged by reading the story of two common people. Common people, yet people who are devout. Hear your voice and know how to act on it. So let us be the same kind of people, I pray. In Jesus' name. Denise.
1: As we leave, we know that We're going to be encountering a lot of people who need hope this season. So I just want to bless you with hope. Would you extend your hands to the Lord and just receive from Him so that you can give to others? I bless you with the hope that your Father hears you and He sees you. that He is at work in your situation to bring about His purposes. I bless you with the hope that He is all-powerful and He is able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than you could ever ask or imagine. I bless you with hope that He is able to deliver you from difficult situations. I bless you with the hope that you are holy and completely loved by your heavenly Father who only has good thoughts toward you and good plans for you. And finally, I bless you with hope that you have a bright future full of his joy and peace. May you be blessed with hope as you go from this place. Amen. God bless you all.